0: I got to
1: admit, what if it did work? I love the song. I love the meaning. Maybe I'm biased, but I love that podcast. One of my favorites. And you know what? I know you're waiting for that episode. So am I. It's one of my favorite episodes. But how about doing something different in your life? How about a free webinar? Hey, I did it. So you know it's good. It's just ask for it. You're going to be like, let's just ask for it. Entrepreneurs, salespeople, everybody in general, you're up at night. You're all bent and twisted. Where's your next sale coming from? Where are the leads? How am I going to get that next referral? Aren't you tired of working in your business and not your business working for you? Aren't you tired of missing out? on all those amazing events, the family functions, the travel soccer games, the graduations, because you're a slave to your business, but not anymore. This will help you compress time so you can live your life. You can live your passions because I know it's not chasing leads and chasing sales. Just ask for it. What will it do? Double your referrals, triple your leads quadruple your sales. It's all about compressing time. You're going to say, how do I find it? omarmadrano.com backslash webinar backslash. Worst case, omarmadrano.com You'll find it. Hey, we're like-minded souls. Enough of surviving. Your whole life was meant to be thriving.
0: What if it did work?
1: Well, I got to say another new week, another new episode of What If It Did Work. And I got to say, this one's going to be like what 311 would say, come original. Man, Dan, Hank, I got to say, the pleasure is all mine finding you. Just reading your story, you're pretty much the definition of what if it did work. And you're also the definition of overcoming some severe and some huge-ass obstacles. So, what's up, brother? How's it going?
2: What's up? I'm doing good. For the moment, but, it, you know, everything's a rocky road. You just try to make the best.
1: Hey, ain't that life, though, right? Yeah. So, dude, it says here... Man, we're, I don't even know where to start. I, You were originally a political cartoonist? How did that come about, man?
2: I did... Uh... Well, first, I was a homeless punk rocker, and then when I finally got a place to stay, um, I always wanted to be an artist. I did really well in art in school, and I started doing just, you know, for fun, because I painted everyone's leather jackets and did all the flyers for bands and stuff. And just for fun, I did some political cartoons, and one of them got the attention of a magazine called Mad Cat Magazine, and they got a hold of me, and they said, Oh, we love your cartoon. Why don't you do cartoons for us? So, I did that first one, and they published it, and it turned out I was the most controversial artist, but as was also their best-selling artist. So, like, people would check in just to see who hated me this week, because that'd be fun of everybody. I mean, I, I was punk rock. I mean, who cares?
1: <laughs> but but you were never political then, right? This, this was just something. They loved your work, and you're like, hey, you know I, what?
2: I, I'm more libertarian than, ever, than anything. I'm just like... No fucking government, everything's legal, I don't care. And I would just make fun of everybody. So I make fun of the Republicans and a lot of their fan base was all Democrat and you know said they love that. Then I make fun of the Democrats. They're like, wait a minute, that's our sacred cow. How dare you? But you know,
1: whatever, it worked. Hey man, it was just a stepping stone, because I mean, you you're went above and beyond, man. You you survived death a bunch of times which i i want to talk about <laughs> i mean man you're I, my you're, my ex-wife survived a complete stroke and zero like effects zero after effects and i i would always be like damn that's one strong woman but reading your bio man you 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 went above and beyond man you they you you, you were in a motorcycle crash. You friggin' got nine. Yeah, f- what, what hasn't happened to you, man?
2: Quite a few motorcycle crashes. Um, I've been in nine motorcycle crashes and I've totaled three. Um, I've been in two car rollovers. I had brain cancer. Um, I was stabbed by a crackhead. I could probably think of some more, but you know those are those are kind of the big
1: ones. <laughs> I, I I hear you, man. Uh, now brain cancer. Dude, not many people can say they survived that. That that must have been like uh, a truly like, uh, oh shit, th- th- this well, is it. Was, it. Let it me appreciate life.
2: But yeah, no, it, and it happened in my late twenties too. So it's like not like I was old or resigned. It was more like yeah, I'm just getting started. I'm doing stuff in the world, and then that hit, and I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna let this ruin my life. So I just tried to like struggle through it as best I could like I I had to go through um, chemotherapy and radiation treatment and the whole time like I was still trying to work three days a week I was still working out of the gym like I'd be I was living in Brooklyn so I'd be like biking over the Williamsburg Bridge stopping in the middle of the bridge and throwing up over the side and then keep biking into the gym
1: yeah you know that what's what's incredible is so many people don't have anything with them wrong with them and they'll be like yeah I'm, I'm gonna go back to the gym on Monday or I'm gonna wait till the start of the month or maybe 2023 2024 who knows man so you still found <laughs> you still found a reason to keep on going I mean what now did they tell did now you the diagnosis was brain cancer with it was the prognosis with like with like hey Dan you know what I, I have to tell you doesn't look good or you were like, screw it, anyways. You weren't even paying attention to what the doctors were saying.
2: Well, they don't give you a definite prognosis, I, and that might be a legal issue. but they can't, but they'll kind of tell you your percentages. So when I came in, and at first they thought it was a brain bleed. They're like, oh, what do you do? When we tie, okay, probably got kids in the brain. Put me in a CAT scan. Put me in, um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, with an MRI machine, you MRI. know, and um. Then they're like, oh, wait, it's fucking cancer. And I was like, oh, great. And they're like, well, it's a slow-growing tumor, um, so it's probably been there for years, but all the inside's is the necrotic tissue. So you had about two weeks until it broke up and it killed you. So they're like, so we're going to operate. Like They had to wait like four days because they had to do MRIs um, with contrast and stuff. And they said, we're going to operate on you. It's brain surgery, so you have about a 50-50 chance of making it and uh unless we're living in the matrix i'm still here
1: yeah no that that you are dude so what started your path of becoming an artist because i i know you're a tattoo artist you're yeah. an author what what aren't you i mean you're the ultimate entrepreneur man you literally have like different you, you uh different fires or you know different fires burning man different ways of creating income which shoot most people only have one
2: well i had a bunch of things i want to do it is like hard to narrow it down like this is what i'm going to follow because i want to do all this stuff like i'm not good enough to be in the ufc but i was like yeah i'm gonna be in the ufc yeah i'm gonna do this uh, I had all this stuff i want to do and i kind of narrowed it down to what i want to do the absolute most and uh when I was a little kid, I mean, we lived in like isolated military communities. My mom only worked, you know, part-time as as a substitute teacher. My dad worked full-time, but he's like enlisted in the military. She so didn't make that much money. So we didn't have a TV or anything. You know, I'd just go to the local library and check out a whole stack of books and have them all read within a week. And, uh, I remember my parents encouraged art and I, I'd like, I remember I took oil painting classes when I was in third grade. Like we'd go to, a, there was some lady, we'd go to her house and all the little kids would like work on stuff. I remember I'd paint like dinosaurs and stuff. But, you know, that's, that's the way we entertained ourselves growing up. Because <clears throat> this is before computers, before Instagram, before social media. We didn't, like I said, we didn't even have a TV. So it was like you kind of found a way to entertain yourself.
1: Hey, you know, that's that's what the Jacksons did. Uh, Michael Jackson's family there, too. I think the TV broke, and especially back in the day, you know, those things were expensive to fix, or and a new one was, like, out of their budget when you have, like, 10 kids, and they're like, screw it. So, hey, you know, you you guys, you turn something around. Well, well look at it this way. Kids nowadays have so much stuff, that, that they don't do that. They don't go venture out. They don't try to learn how to oil paint. They don't try to do other stuff because you're just tuned in to either their their PlayStation, to Instagram, TikTok. So I mean, you right there, you you took a little bit of adversity growing up. And it, it helped mold you, it helped guide you to, you know, this crazy ass path that that you've experienced to, you know, who you are right this second, right now.
2: No, I think it did. I think a lot of people, um, they kind of get inundated with the whole, like, you know, instant pleasure sort of thing, you know, with the, like, I'll play video games, I'll do this, I'll do that, like, you know, crash, bam, bow, right in your face. And and they they don't really build up to it. And then when stuff strikes them later on in life, they're like, oh, this is too threatening, I just give up. And you can't do that now if you want to go anywhere. Because I, I think in the end, nobody cares if you make it except for you.
1: Exactly. And you know what now with the metaverse and putting on the goggles and having it even more in your face. I mean, it it's just easy just to tune out of reality instead of tuning into reality. So so you you got Brain cancer 2000, right? I was
2: in the hospital in ICU recovering when the Twin Towers went down.
1: Wow. And now, where, uh, Monica, your wife, did did you meet her during this or like before you guys were dating? Yeah, well, I met her
2: prior. Um, I was working in the tattoo shop. Uh, She was a counter girl at the tattoo shop. I hit on her, but you know she's from Colombia, so there's a little bit of a language barrier. So I, you know, plus I'm, I'm not real suave, so you know she probably didn't really understand. But when when she did, we started dating, and we were dating for about three months, and then I came down with brain cancer. And most people, like we were both in our 20s, she's younger than me. You know, most people that age would just say, "Hey, this is way too heavy for me. I'm out." But I mean, probably growing up in Columbia it's a way more serious environment. You know, she like she took it. She took it like a champ. She was like every day she was visiting me in the hospital. She looked a little distressed, like you know. Oh, I hope you're doing all right. So I was like, this is a good girl. So after we got out, uh, she was uh, gonna marry a friend for a green card. And I said, why are you going to marry a friend, not me? She's like, oh, well, I don't want to pressure you with that. You know, it, it doesn't mean anything. I was like, just marry me. You know, you're a good person. You know, if if something doesn't work out, I'm not going to screw you over. And uh, it, it actually turned into a good thing. I never thought I'd get married, but then I got married and it was a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And you know what? That's definitely somebody that you want to build an empire with, or that's somebody that you definitely want in your corner. Cause like what you said, especially you you guys just start dating. Most people would be like, Hey, you know what? I didn't sign up for this or this is too heavy. This is too serious. It's just human nature. And you know, they, they, they check out or they just run away. She was there. Now, Uh, Unfortunately, just just like another thing that you had to overcome, she was hit by a a drunk driver, right, and passed away?
2: We don't know for a fact um, what the condition of the driver was. Um, So some of it, we're kind of guessing, but it was 6 o'clock in the morning in Brooklyn, right next to downtown, and it was a Saturday morning, which means they probably got drunk in one of the after hour bars in Manhattan and then right after you come out of those after hour bars and they'd be in the Lower East Side you're right in the area of Brooklyn where she was and somebody she was on motorcycle and somebody nailed her motorcycle and just kept going and I remember I was asking the police I was like why did they keep going and not only did they keep going, I mean, it would kind of make sense if they were just trying to flee and get away from the whole thing, but then there was a stoplight and they stopped at the stoplight. So they nailed her, kept going, and they stopped at the stoplight. And I was like, why would you why would you just run the stoplight? Well, probably because like a lot of it is a pattern of somebody who's drunk. And we kind of know the trail of what happened because there are surveillance cameras in the warehouses nearby. But the images weren't sharp enough to make out the license plate number.
1: That's crazy. So you were married six years. Right. And then another tragedy struck. And they never found the killer, right? Now, <laughs> it, it, first they tried
2: to blow it off, actually. I, a, I, I could be here all day telling you about all the, you know, how horribly they treated us at first. Because one, they don't feel like dealing with it, it's a lot of paperwork, it's a lot of everything. It turns out there's a lot less paperwork if you just blame it on the victim. And it's, she was on a motorcycle. So if you say, oh, is somebody in a motorcycle acting irresponsible, there's actually way less paperwork. So at first they didn't sign an investigation squad, and nothing. And uh, her brother, you know, obviously Spanish-speaking from Colombia, he hit up all the Spanish TV networks. I hit up all the English-speaking TV networks, and we just talked about everything, and we got some good advice to picture as a model, not as a tattoo artist, because she was tattooing, but she also did some modeling as well. And if you picture as a model, everybody's suddenly interested. So we picture her a model. It was like, oh, this poor girl. Look at her. You know.
1: Yeah, it's it's the nature of the beast, man, and especially. I mean, I, I'm Latino, so <laughs> it, it's a little different if she was wealthy if she but you're right i mean everybody follows you know the stereotype well or or comes to come to the conclusion or the assumptions well she's a motor she was on a motorcycle she's a tattoo artist hey it is what it is it's new york city but let's fight whatever crime that supposedly you No, know,
2: i think that's what happened and one thing that really infuriated me is the governor of new jersey was In a limo, the limo was crossing a bridge. They were hit by another car. They didn't know anything about the car. He knocked the limo off the bridge. He broke his leg when he hit the water. They found that person in one day. They didn't even know what car it was. They didn't know anything about it, but they found the guy in one day. So they really want to get to something, they'll find it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's – I mean, if you think about it, where when it comes to, like, sex trafficking – That that's like like a low priority. They're like, yeah, this person went missing or this chick went missing, and it is what it is. But you know, if if a governor, an elected official, somebody famous, somebody wealthy, has a oh shit moment like that, you rest assured they're gonna find they're gonna find the killer. They're gonna find the person that hits you, et cetera, et cetera. And and then that's when they've got resources compared to, uh, oh, well, you know, we, we really don't, we, we have zero hunches when there's a will, there's a way that that's always been my, my motto.
2: Yeah. Well, we, we tried really hard. Like at first they they were putting everything down. So we tried everything we could like, um, I, I had a roommate and she made up flyers and everything. we were posting the flyers everywhere. And, you know, I was in the hospital, but, She's doing that all down the side, and her boyfriend was a cop. And you know, he was like everything we're trying to get out there, but we couldn't get NYPD to make an investigative squad. Finally, we made him look so bad in the news that they did, but it was five days later. You're not going to find a hit and run driver five days later.
1: Oh, no, definitely not. And the person, if I'm sure they're aware. I'm sure there was damage to their car, and they're like, that Oh
2: shit, damage. yeah, tore yeah. out the front bumper, it smashed out the front headlight. Like, they knew what they did
1: at, at that moment, or at any, any of these moments, you survive all, all these motorcycle crashes, you survive a crackhead mugging you, you survive brain cancer, and now you, your, your wife is taken from you. Like, just like that. Was there any any time that you're like, shit, life, why me? Why is this happening to me?
2: Well, I think the the world, I mean, I'm not religious at all. I just think the world, they really, the world doesn't care. And when bad stuff happens, it's pure chance is it's very bad, but you can either lay down and die or you can try and struggle and do something. So every time something happens, I just, try and work my way through it, I'm like, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm not going to let this be the end. Because like I said, nobody cares if you make it except for you.
1: Ain't that the truth. Or, you know, but think about it, man. This story is inspiring. It's motivating. Because, you know, so many people, little stuff happens to them and they go in complete victim mode. They retreat. And they're like, oh, why me? Why me? They go on social media. They post about they're getting a divorce after they posted that this was their soulmate for years or, <laughs> you know, they they post crap and, and, and they act like their life is over while literally you've you've had a lifetime of setbacks. And you said it best you had you had to get up and keep on going because in life, what are you going to do? lay there because nobody's going to pick you up you right. you had to get yourself up each and every single time
2: well, that's one thing that bothers me when like people talk about like a lack of opportunity on everything and like i'm like i try and help people like you do i do seminars for free i like i'm doing one for the um local uh, long beach library where i'm, I'm telling people how to be an author and artist and all that stuff so I'm all about helping people get ahead, but to a certain extent, they have to be ambitious about it. They have to go after stuff. Like if they have talent, they have to, they have to pursue it. Like I, I moved from Virginia to New York to make it as an artist. Now, there, there, I think there are a lot of people that are like, well, I could have done this, I could have done that, but I don't think they, they really tried hard enough.
1: It's fear, man, fear of failure. There's fear of rejection. It's easier to just just to dabble or just to come up with an excuse that, you know, nobody gave me an opportunity or it wasn't I I let the cards fall and it wasn't it wasn't my deck or it was it wasn't I I was dealt a bad hand. And like what you said and success comes to those. I mean, success comes to those that work at it. It wasn't like somebody's like, hey, you know what, Dan, I want you to write a book. I want you to be an illustrator. I want you to be a tattoo artist. I want you. No, these are the things that you went out, you got good at over time because it, it, it takes time, right? It wasn't like you just became.
2: Oh, yeah. You get rejected a lot, and you've got to not have the defeatist attitude where you get rejected. You go, All right, well, I give up. You have to go, Okay, why did I get rejected? What do I need to improve so that this time I can be better? Like, I, I remember when I wrote my first book, you know, I got rejected by a bunch of publishers, and then I was like, Well, I'm going to send out to other authors, I'm going to get some feedback, I'm going to revise it, I'm going to keep running it through publishers. And then I really want to do the cover artwork and I do illustrations inside my book. And some of them were like, yeah, we'll put it out, but you can't do the cover artwork. So you just got to keep at it. You know, if you go, okay, well, I guess that's the way it is. I give up. You're never going to get anywhere. Like everybody who made it did
1: that. Exactly. Everybody gets rejected. Uh, I mean, everybody laughed at even like the biggest corporations Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Nobody would give friggin' Howard Schultz uh, a loan because they thought it was crazy. Uh, you know, innovators always have a crazy idea because it's never been done.
2: Well, you can say that with Steve Jobs. You can say that with anybody who broke big. You can say that with bands like first, everyone
1: hated Guns N' Roses and then they became one of the biggest bands in the world. <laughs> Dude, I it, it's it's funny because I tell people it's a process. It takes time. I I just got back from Vegas. I was celebrating 311 on 311 day. And yeah, a band like that, 32 years. But if any band, band
2: that makes me feel old.
1: <laughs> any band out there, though, dude, you, they all show you pictures of their first shows. And it's it's not arena rock. It, it's it's not they're not playing Lollapalooza. They're not playing at these huge festivals for one hundred thousand people. They're playing at like some county fair somewhere where there's like 15 people watching them, and it's usually family members that that and consists of the 15. You
2: got to try everything until something catches.
1: Exactly, man. I, I I've never heard of a story, uh, it, and I'm not even a, a huge Garth Brooks fan, but I I watched his story, and everybody thought, oh, the guy hit it big became the biggest country artist of all time, et cetera, et cetera. And the guy went, tried to, uh, in Nashville, he was laughed at, and he came home crying to Oklahoma, and he had to work his way back up. But, you know, nobody wants to hear the story of, oh, man, there's perseverance, there's rejection, there's hard work. Everybody wants this, hey, I just show up, and, you know, I'm the boss, Hey, I, I just show up and I I own a tattoo parlor. Hey, I just show up and and they they're gonna let me write two, three, four books. It doesn't work that way.
2: Well, if you look in the old days too, it's kind of inspiring. Like if you look in, I mean, I'm talking like 1940s old days. People would they'd have like five jobs before they make it. So you say, oh, well, this guy was a giant company. Now. Yeah, they failed at like all these previous jobs before they finally found a way to make it. You know, like, now I own a tattoo shop, and I put out books, and I've done all this full of chart work, but I, I remember I was going through all this stuff trying to make it, and, and you you give your whole heart and soul to something, and you go, well, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else, because I refuse to give up. You know, that's what I did with the, the, doing the comic art, not the comic art, the political cartoons. You know, I, I was like, I want to do this, I want to do a Society of Illustrators, and it, <clears throat> About an hour away, um, I was trying to talk to everybody, trying to get tips. They all sounded very negative. <clears throat> I was like, maybe I should find some other way to express myself as an artist. So I just kept going through things until I found something that they caught.
1: Yeah, and look at that. From from the A to where where you're at right now. Now, when your wife died... Did you, what happened next? Did you leave New York or like, did you take time out to reflect? Did you go on this to South America? Cause I know you're a world traveler too, or.
2: I didn't. Well, <clears throat> when she first got here, she was in the hospital and uh, because the, it was such a horrible hospital it was in the Marcy projects, which is where Jay-Z is from. So basically, you know, like, it, I have, um, there's a member of the band of Decision that it, I tattoo, and I called her up. She works for the medical gozammer's office, and, uh, she's like, get out of that hospital. That's a horrible hospital. But because that hospital didn't know, like, apparently, like, the car hit her, threw her off the bike, and she broke her neck when she hit the ground, and it was over 30 minutes before they got her to the emergency room. If you don't have air to the brain for 30 minutes you're brain dead you're never going to recover but apparently emi um or emt rather didn't tell the hospital that so the hospital revived her on machines like she's never going to wake up but her body's machine. we don't know that so i i remember like you know drinking coffee staying there all night like you know the minute i see a little spike in something i'm like there's hope there's hope she's gonna wake up you know but there was no hope. So it took a couple days of just me being at the hospital to realize there's no hope, she's gonna die. So, but then we were getting so blown off by everybody. We're like, we've got to do something. We gotta find this guy. Like we hired a private investigator. We, We kind of went full bore. So for like a week, it was just dealing with that. And then after that, I went back to tattooing, but I kept focusing on that. Like we did a memorial art show for her. Uh, we did a memorial concert. We tried to raise money so our family could afford a funeral. Um, so we could afford, a, we hired a private investigator to look for who did it. So we were dealing with all that, but obviously you still need to pay your bills. So I was tattooing, and then as soon as I was done tattooing, I would go to that. When, when it, like, we had a funeral, it's like we didn't find anybody. Um, the Crime Stoppers closed the investigation, it was, you know, it's not like it was the end of it, but it's like I didn't know what else I could do, and I wasn't going to let that one thing be the the end of my life. So I I started trying to do other projects as well. But I think one of the the main things it taught me though is life is short, and you really got to get yourself out.
1: Exactly, and I'm I'm sure Monica want would have wanted you to continue life instead well, I'm of sure just
0: you to, yeah
1: yeah because. Her, her life was cut short. She lived, we all live in our dash. Hers was shorter than most people. But I know for a fact, or, hey, you, you you guys are were like-minded people. She'd want you to be thriving, not just surviving and just living out your days, just saying, hey, you know what? She died. Life sucks. When's it my turn?
2: Well, she would probably think that was horrible. I mean, she came from Colombia. They were threatened by terrorists. That's how they got into the U.S. in the first place, because they were getting death threats from terrorists. Like, her dad was military in Colombia, and they lived on, like, isolated bases. So she went through a bunch of hard stuff, but never gave up. She was like, I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to learn the English language. At 17, she learned English. She was like, I'm going to learn how to pierce. And then when she's piercing, she's like, I'm going to learn how to tattoo. You know, so at no point, despite all the hardship, did she give up. So I think she probably would have been, she she probably wouldn't like, what's wrong with you? Why are you giving up now?
1: I well, never... Dude, I, and, and that, you know, I, I, I think that's the most admirable is when somebody moves here. Because yeah. it's hard to learn English, man. We, we speak in slang, too. Which is like you know most languages don't have slang. Right? We we don't talk proper proper English. I mean I I flunked up French in high school. So mm-hmm. at at, at 17, 18. So I it's it's tough. I know if I had moved to France or Nice or somewhere, I, I would have to do it learn learn a language. But it's it's very tough, man. So. You, You know that—that's the one thing I have to say—is people that come here to to America to live the American dream, man. uh, Capitalism, you know, it's there's no other no other place that you can get successful like that.
2: I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, no. When she first came here, she was uh, she got a job working for a bakery, and they were paying her two hundred dollars a week. And she thought that was a crazy amount of money because she came from Columbia, where there was a crazy amount of money. Never mind, they were way underpaying her. But eventually, she moved on. She goes, oh, wait, they're just taking advantage of me. And then she got better paying jobs and so on. But it was like, it was never like, oh, poor me. It was like, okay, I'm worth this much. I'll do more. And she just always had that that drive of like, I can do this. I can do that. I'm going to make it happen.
1: Well, not only make it happen, man, but, but think about it she she realized we create the, the amount of money that we make it's capitalism 101 it's not like she was saying oh shit if only they paid everybody 50k or 75k we we decide what we're worth by you know doing doing something amazing doing answering problems uh, having amazing customer service and that's right there she's like hey you know what congratulations you're underpaying me because i did not know the marketplace i i i but i know i'm worth more than 200 bucks which right. man in new york city 200 bucks <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't take you far at all
2: yeah but if you're living in queens and you don't speak the language you know to you you're like oh wait this is great you know, until you realize it's not, you know, but, you know, it, it's, that's one problem that I, I have. Like I'm a small business owner. And that's one problem I have. Is like, so if you, if you do the work, you're going to make more money. The opportunity is there for you, but you can't just come in and go, oh, but I'm capable of this. You should pay me those prices now. It's like, no, you, you haven't proved to me that you earn it. You haven't proved to me that, you know, you're a good investment. And then people, oh, but I could be I'm like, Maybe, maybe I, I could own a Ferrari. I don't,
1: you know. <laughs> no, hey, believe it or not, I, I, you don't have to, man, I, I owned t- for 20 years. I was a business owner. And yeah, especially the younger, the younger they get. It, it's also from we're raising our kids to, hey, you're special. Right. You're, you're going to be the next president. It's none of that. Hey, you have to earn it. So the, Like the last five years, they'd be like, "Oh, you're such a dick. Why am I not vice president? Why am I not getting paid huge money?" And it's like, "But you just started. What have you done?" And even my manager, uh, after I sold, he was like, "Why did you never give me equity?" And he said it best right there: "Give you equity." It was never like what do I have to do to earn equity?
2: I feel that's kind of a, maybe I, I'm being a grumpy old man about this, but I feel like that's kind of more of an old school thing. It's like, you prove why you're worth more money, and then you say, hey, look, I've done this, you should give me more money. And now it's like, I could do this, so you should give me more money now before I've even proven myself. It's like, nobody used to do those that in the old days. You know, like, like like, as far as being an artist or a writer, you can't demand a higher percentage if you're writing your first book. You can go, look how brilliant I am. Okay, well, prove it to me first. Like, all the authors and artists that made it, they start out basically making no money, and then after they prove that they can do really good work, they got a lot more money.
1: It- it's exactly. You, but you have to pay your dues. Yeah. That's what success is, man. You can't just show up at... At any corporation, any mom and pop, and go, hey, I've arrived. Yeah. It's like, no, you showed up. but yeah. uh, and, and, and that that's not being we're we're not grumpy old or anything. That that's just really how reality works, man. I I I can't I can't go into Cupertino and go to Apple and go, hey, I'm here. Um, I'm 48. I uh, I I might not be Tim Cook, Tim Cook, but give me like, you know, a high-paying job with, you know, stock options. Just
2: trust me, I'm good.
1: Yeah, tr- trust me. And they and it, it's you can't trust and and anything, whether it's the US government, your father in the military, it's based on, "Hey, what are you going to do?" Yeah. And do it. And then we'll reward you. But, yeah, that, that's why, I mean, going around McDonald's and all these places have this sign work now and we'll pay you tomorrow or we'll get you. A, we'll give you a bonus if you're breathing and you're still still here like 24 hours later. And it's like, holy smokes. How, how and when? I mean, when's it going to end? It, I mean, are we just going to minimum wage? It's going to be 100K. Hey, just show up. You know, you're
2: increasing inflation like they they're increasing
1: so much um, of the
2: baseline income of people that, you know, but inflation is actually increasing higher than like the raise raised minimum wage. So it's actually like the raise the minimum wage is actually a decline because prices are going up. Like I remember tattoo gloves used to be $7 for a box of 100. Now it's $22 for a box of 100.
1: uh, every business cost, the cost of everything is going up. And that's what I was, I was telling people when, you know, the government can't just be printing money. Like, like it's from a Xerox machine, like an unlimited source and go, Hey, here's money. Well, you just devalued money. Right. And, and everybody's like excited, you know, Hey, I got a thousand dollars or whatever from the government, but it wouldn't the way, right way of thinking be, I want to earn more money that I never have to rely on a government stimulus check instead of posting, hey, guess what I'm gonna do with my stimulus check. It's like, congratulations, please tell us. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, they say now that they're coming out of the lockdowns, people have higher savings than they did before the lockdowns. It's like, nobody worked, they just got money from the government and they all think that's free money, but it's not, it comes out of, it comes out of us.
1: We're going to pay that back in inflation and taxes. Exactly. It, it, exactly. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, inflation's crazy. Well, we just printed a shit ton of stimulus, a shit ton of free money. Right. It, it, it's – it's. I mean, I'm an arts and science guy. But I've, for some crazy reason, I became a, a business owner. But, yeah, I, I do know just simple – yeah, simple math and just simple common sense is, you know, when you devalue stuff, of course, inflation is going to go like through the roof. Right. And
2: so, it's too, because when stuff when prices go up, not everybody's income goes up. And especially the people that are more they than making good money. Now, if they're paying more money for the new people coming in, but they're not raising your income, but all the prices are going up, it's actually like you're making less money. So yeah, not
1: to get on the economic rant, but yeah. Hey, hey, dude, trust me, man. I I, I chose I chose a bad time to sell sell my businesses and <laughs> and, and rely on on my book and, and coaching. When I I see you know the cost of everything is like like through the roof. Pretty soon it's gonna be like McDonald's is the value meal is gonna be like twenty bucks. <laughs> well, it, not, not that I, I eat at the Golden say, Arches. Not-
2: the last thing I'll say about it, except like, so the shop burned down, and I had to put me and the other co owner, like I have a co owner. So we both put a ton of money in our savings. I mean, I have a bunch of sponsors, and fortunately, they kicked in because owning a business in New York is extremely expensive. But they kicked in, they helped us out. We did a GoFundMe, a fundraiser, and we kicked in a ton of our savings to reopen a new shop. And everybody that worked for us, like I tried to get them all a spot to work at in the meantime. I got them all new supplies. I tried to take care of them, you know. But I remember we had one person that we just let go that was like, oh, well, that's what business owners are supposed to do. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I'm trying to be a good guy here, but it's like, oh, that's just what you're supposed to do. That doesn't matter. You know, I don't even want—I don't even want credit per se. But it's like, well, you know, you know, I know. I'm like, I'm like, we can't give you more money because right now we're in the negative. I—I I to invest like eight thousand dollars out of my personal savings just to help get the shop running right again. And she's like, "Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You're business owner. It, it doesn't compute. It's like like there's a wall." <laughs>
1: That hey you're, you're gonna you're gonna laugh. Uh, when the the stimulus checks and, and the PPP loans came out, a person unfriended me on Facebook, who was a friend I'd had dinner with a bunch of times, and I went out on the beach to the beach just to have a rest day. and she started posting what about the PPP your employees are working while you're at the beach? Why don't you give them the PPP? (laughs) I'm like, what are you? And, and, you know, just throwing all this heat and it's like, well, the PPP is going to the business, me, me taking a day off. It's not like I I took the check and, and, you know, I, I flew chartered on a private jet somewhere to Las Vegas to have a major rager but yeah, people, when it comes to business 101, they actually can't compute. And a lot of times, if you've never owned a business, they actually think the gross is everything that, that you take home. That oh, there's, definitely.
2: Yeah. there's zero gross.
1: expenses.
2: I definitely do not work a 40 hour a week, it's more like an 80 hour a week. <laughs> it's like, okay, you're working way less than me, but everything I do doesn't count. It's like, how do you think the bills get paid? How do you think that you know we we maintain our website or our social media page? There's a lot of stuff going on.
1: Oh yeah, it, and it was funny because I I remember years ago uh, the employee was giving me the drop. We, we were closing for the night, and she was like, "Oh man, you killed it!" And I'm I'm, I'm like thinking, does she think I'm, and I? – And I had to explain to to the employee. I'm like. Well, you know there's there's the electricity, there's the water. you're you're not working for free. Uh, I have to pay for supplies. I have to pay rent. I have to everybody has their handout. Trust me, I, I, I wish I could say that, hey, you know, we love you so much, Omar here. everything's free. you you take the gross, you go home. And when I go home, I don't have any bills there either, and it all just goes to to pay for for my Rolls Royce.
2: Yeah, no, I hear you. It, it, it's the same thing. And then, like, I remember I'd be arguing. I'm like, well, you realize we have to pay rent, we have to pay electricity, we have to pay gas. We have to. It's like I don't want to talk about money. You don't want to talk about money, but you want us to give you more when I'm spending exactly. it all the bills.
1: Well, you're you're taking advantage of me. I actually have to show up to work to get paid. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here, when did you or or what what spurred you to write a book, your first book? I know you've written multiple. Was that something that you always wanted to do? Or you're like, hey shit, you know what? I'm gonna do another. Really?
2: Yeah, when I was a kid, like I, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to be a writer or an artist. And then when I read the first comic books like Watchmen, Dark Knight, they were, had more developed plots and stuff. I go, oh, I can do both. So I was really set on the idea of being a comic artist. And then I moved to New York City after art school and an interviewed with DC Comics. And right, I didn't know this, but right around then, they almost folded. Like the movie saved them. If it wasn't for the movies, they would have gone bankrupt. And I interviewed with them, and I remember the editor, his name was Andrew Helfer. He's like, and, and I interviewed with, like, the adult line, the Vertigo line that did, like, Hellblazer and Watchmen all that stuff. I'm like, oh, that will be perfect for my stuff. And I remember him looking through my portfolio, and he's like, you know, this might work in art school, but let me tell you what sells. And he pulls up a Superman comic where Superman punching Lex Luthor, and he goes, you want to do this? I was like, no, he goes, we don't have a job for you. I was like, Whoa. And then I interviewed with them again and they actually fired that guy because they said he was an asshole, but I interviewed with them again, but they pay you almost nothing to give you no control. So I was like, I'm going to have to look for another way to express myself. So, so then I was like, I, I really want to write it because I don't want to do all these illustrations for somebody's bad story. You know, at least if it's a bad story, it's my bad story.
1: <laughs>
2: <You know? laughs> so I was like, I'll write a book, but I want to do illustrations for it. I didn't realize how long the illustrations take because originally I was planning on some crazy number, like 40 illustrations. Now I've kind of settled in a pattern While well, i do nine per book. But each illustration, like if you look at my website, you'll see them. each illustration is like a full page, like almost like in the comics you call it a splash page, where it's a full page illustration and I try to do something that's going on in the book so you can kind of visualize it. And I'm happy with that. Like I paint the covers, they do the illustrations, and I do the story. So
1: yeah, that's kind your, of my
2: long answer to your short question.
1: <laughs> so, so you were you like the King Kirby, Stanley, Todd McFarlane. Well, Everybody's called Todd
2: McFarlane because he drew and wrote his own stuff. Like Stanley
1: didn't draw anything; he just wrote it. Yeah, he just wrote. And, I, and- it was Jack Kirby, I think, for Marvel.
2: He wrote some of his own stuff. I'm not really a fan of his writing. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his art either. I think it's more like he broke the boundaries, you know, than it's like that's somebody that you look up to is like, oh, they were such an amazing artist. Like Bernie Rison was an awesome artist. John Tolbin was an awesome artist. Like those guys would stand up, I think, in indie medium. They could do book covers and magazines or whatever.
1: One thing that that you stated that most people don't know is comic books were a dying thing. Uh, I mean, growing up as a kid, they had comic book stores all over the country, sort of like roller rinks. Man, now it's it's hard. I don't know so if there's like many of them. And
2: stuff like that.
1: I mean, Marvel Comics, Stan Lee had to sell all that for, uh, pennies to the dollar. That uh, he he went when. He sold to whomever and then whomever sold to Disney, but you know, they, they saw him in a movie or they put, you know, a glorified title that he was a producer, but he didn't die with like hundreds of millions in the bank because it, it was a comic books for like had like that slow death. Gotcha. They're
2: notorious for ripping people off too. You know, like like the the big companies, like the big comic companies, they would keep all the rights to everything. So you do it once, and they'll pay you like almost as a contractor, like building up the comic book, like you did the house or whatever. It's like, okay, Uh the one job you did, and then you get no royalties for anything. And even when they tell you you'll get royalties, they find some way to wiggle out of it. Like they did that to Alan Moore, who wrote Watchmen. And they so screwed him over on that that when they did the movie. He's like, take my name off the movie. I don't even want credit.
1: Well, it's like all those, com- when you, all those comic book conventions, all those old artists go there to make a living. And you would think like, I know George Perez, because I always see his name around. And I was a comic book geek a million years ago. All those artists never got paid for their work. So now they have to go shill and they have to sign stuff, sign comic books, take pictures, meet the fans. Even the art teachers. Yeah, which, which, which is crazy because if you think about it, all, all the artists that, who were employed from shit, 10, 20, 30 years for all of the comic books, all the, major, all the major players, you would think that they're these millionaires and they're not. By, by far.
2: Well, that's why that's why Todd McFarlane formed Image Comics because he's like, wait, I'm the top-selling artist, I'm the writer, you know, you guys love everything I do as long as you get to keep all the rights and all the money. He's like, why don't I just start my own company and I'll do my own thing? And that's what Image Comics was all about. It was like, you, if you're the creator, you get to keep all the rights to everything. And you know, obviously that worked out very well for him.
1: So, how many books have I? I know in your bio, it's you have three books or do you have more than three?
2: Yeah, no, I have three. All right, I have three novels out. Um, there's something, it's kind of a fashion in Europe um, called Chat Books – it's uh back in the day remember they used to put like political or religious pamphlets and like this little thing with like a magazine cover and like i don't know 30 pages or whatever it. yes it's called chapbooks and they've been kind of revived in europe and people put short stories in that often do it signed and numbered and limited edition and it's a big hit here it's not as much of a big hit But uh, one of my publishers is Splatterpunk Press, and they're based in the U.K., and they put out a a number of those chapbooks for me. So I have three novels, I have, like, two chapbooks, and I have a bunch of short stories that have, like, been in novel uh, compilations and magazines and so on.
1: Now, with your books, what's the best way to get these books, like The Black Seas of Infinity? Is that through Amazon or... Could like.
2: Amazon has them, um, Bars and Nobles has them. Um, um, you can order them on my website. You have to pay more because I also sign them and personally mail them to you. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's available you know, on all the kind of platforms. And my latest one is available on Audible too, which actually a lot of people don't read. So that's out to be a
1: crazy <laughs> Hey, don't worry about it. I, I know that because so many people are like, so is your book on audible? And I'm like, no, man, it's only a hundred pages. It's, it's a short read. And they're like, well, is it on audible? I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm like, would you like me to read it to you? Like, no, no, no. And it's like, Hey dude, I know you're not going to buy it. It, 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 you know, but I, I'm sorry. It's not on audible, but yeah, dude, I, I, I love your website, man. Uh, but between, between the, that's why I was like super stoked. Uh, that, that, believe it or not, that that service was the first time I've ever used a, I, I mean, I looked at it and everybody has the usual bullshit. Hey, call me to be on a podcast. Nothing about not how spiritually awake I am and yeah. Have you seen have you been on it? Like everybody <laughs> has the usual bullshit. Kind of like, uh, <laughs> and, yeah, dude. And, and, and it's like, I mean. If if I put my stuff on there, it would be no different than anybody else. Right. But but yours was like such an eye catcher when it said everything that, that you've been through. I'm like, holy shit, man! This this is this is original. This, this is
0: it, thank you.
1: I, I I could have a thousand other people that that's on that service, and they're all going to tell me the same bullshit. And, right. and it doesn't. I, I if you go to go through like they're all categorized. Personal yeah. development. Oh, we can talk about overcoming the past. We can business. We can talk about how to scale, and I and it's funny because I, I you're you're probably the one and done, and, <laughs> and, I, and I mean that as a, a compliment. But everybody else, and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm. It, it, it's like listening to EDM. You think it's the same song, and it's like five or six songs. And it, it's like, holy shit. I'm like, oh, this is the eighth person I, I just scrolled past. I thought this was the same guy as bio. <laughs> but yeah, no, man. I I mean, I what, what's what's the number one thing that it, you want to be known for, Dan? Do you want to be known as the tattoo artist, the tattoo business owner? Do you want to be known as the illustrator? What what is it that defines you, man? Because I can't even define you because you're just like, and and that's a huge compliment, dude. Because you are everything in my book.
2: Okay, well, awesome. Um, yeah. Now the the illustrated novels I do it is a thing that I absolutely I don't know hold the like most faith in, whatever, and the most like ambition in. Um, I enjoy tattooing, you know, and when I first got into it, I was like, I'm going to do this until I get a job doing like books and comics and stuff. And then I just really liked it. And, and I love the community. I love doing it, but I don't like a hundred years from now, nobody's going to care who I tattooed. Like they might go, Oh, well this guy did some stuff a little bit different, but you know, if I put out a book and has some good illustrations in it, they might be, Hey, this is a clever idea and I can still look at it today.
1: Think about it, dude. You're an artist. We listen to music from people that, that are dead. Right. Kurt Cobain, Elvis, everybody, we're we're all going to die. It, and still, the music stands the test of time. And it's no different than a book. A book will live on. A, you and I will be dead, mm-hmm. long gone, 50, 60, 70, 80 years from now. But they'll be like, holy shit. There's a book, and that—that and yeah. that, that to it's me, Dracula, like the Bram Stoker, is long dead. But how good is Dracula? Or free they keep not. on making movies about it. They, yeah. they keep on even making car, comic books on it. Yeah. No, yeah, I, don't I think
2: not need to match up to the original because the original, I think, is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, no, no, completely. I, I, I've read that. So, where is your tattoo shop these days? Long
2: Beach, New York. It's about thirty-five minutes out of the city. Although I've heard, like, everything I've heard of the city is kind of like uh, Fury Road Mad Max <laughs> right now. It's like, uh, we had one guy that worked at our shop that wanted to go to work at a shop in the city. He was there one day and he came back. He's like, every, all the buildings around me are all boarded up. I mean, it might have just been where he was at. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I I, I don't know, dude. Everybody keeps on moving to Florida from New York and, and California. In Austin,
2: Texas, yeah.
1: Yeah, but but that I blame the governments right. for doing that, for taking this political and saying, hey, we're gonna dude today is the two-year anniversary of 15 days. Yeah, hey, we're we're
2: two two weeks to fly the curve. Two weeks of flying, yeah, when in doubt, you can always win the government. I think I think that's pretty much a fail-safe.
1: <laughs> but dude, the, the best part was 15 days later the government, Uncle Sam's like, hey, you know what? You guys are all assholes. The reason why this has to go on even more than 15 days was because some of you guys went out. <laughs> remember that? They, they, they threw it back on people. I remember when they were
2: saying, oh, once everybody gets vaxxed, you'll be immune. It's like, I'm vaxxed. I still got it.
1: Dude, I, I, I'm vaxxed and I got Omicron for, for friggin' Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I and, uh, there's only two reasons why I, I, I got vaccinated. My kids were like, hey, dad, get get the vaccine. And kids. And also, I heard the jive. If you want concerts to come back.
2: Yeah, that's that's why I got vaccinated, Yeah. So I could see
1: shows. Right, right. Remember that? <laughs> that? That that was the original, hey, if you want to go to concerts. Yeah. and, and it could be I never took the flu shot because I knew, you know, to this day, you can still get the flu shot. Yeah, but they yeah. made it look like, hey, you know what? Concerts, this is the only way we'll have concerts. I'm like, shit. And then it was like, hey, you know what? These two shots, you're going to be immune. And then, Like I said, I, uh, and, and I, I went to a party, a Christmas party. Everybody was vaccinated. And right. lo and behold, I I, 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 I get Omicron.
2: Yeah. No, I would like. My favorite band aid a reunion. I remember you either had to be vaxxed or you had to be tested that week. You had to have all your paperwork. They're doing all this crazy stuff, and then I go overseas for a lot of conventions. It's like you can't even get into those countries if you're not vaxxed. So, like, yeah, I'll get vaxxed. I have the paperwork. Okay, leave me alone.
1: <laughs> same, same here. Same here, and it's funny because. Uh, I I never realized that's the state. It, it depends on the state. In the state of Florida, you can't say, "Hey, you have to be vaccinated for a concert." Right. It, 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 I, what I, I tell people is, "Hey, when you see corn out there, or when you see anybody on tour, thank me because I got vaccinated for you." <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, they keep,
1: like, keep finding
2: stuff that was like, like now the all say lockdowns are a mistake. Like what are they going to do next? They keep changing, you know, policies all the time. So I, I think like clamping down to everybody and being an asshole and acting like you know everything is—it's it's not true. Oh,
1: I—I—I uh, I, I think um, possibly there's a big if. Uh, April sixteenth, um, we can f- start flying without our mask. We'll—we'll we'll wait, yeah, I- <laughs> we'll, we'll wait and see. we will wait and see because you know they always push that. I think the CDC says. They'll revisit it right before, which means no, there, there's I, a possibility. I, quite, dude, do you remember when when people were saying, "Let's just stay locked down until we find a cure." <laughs>
2: well, initially it was it was the two weeks of flooding the curve, and then I remember there was a big argument, you know, over wait until the vaccine, and people were like that's
1: ridiculous. And then they came out with the vaccine, and now they're still doing it. Exactly. Now I, I read somewhere now. Um, Pfizer says it's the fourth shot. <laughs> I got, I got
2: two Pfizer shots. I, I'm done.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm done. My my, my kids who they they're like, hey, we're done. They, they they don't want the third or the fourth, and, and they 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 realize, you know, it's bullshit. They, I, I you can still get it just right. the same, but you know, there's always yeah, but you would you have gotten it even worse? I'm like, well, I got. I was one of the first people to get corona. i I was getting ready to write my obituary watching the news I, about the morgues that were gonna be overflow overpopulated and that they were gonna doing a ventilator. <laughs> no, zero. Yeah. I, I've had worse hangovers i I've had worse flus, worse hangovers worse colds than than both times of getting in but you know it, it is what it is dude I mean uh, what I tell people is live your life now, I mean you you're a prime example you, you, uh, I mean it, if if my my time being here it ended because of corona then hey you know I, it's it is what it is but it, it, people to me are more afraid to live than they are of dying they just pretend by by saying they're they're fearful of dying it's the, the fear of living man just just live your life that that's what i tell people
2: well and way too many people are karens like i remember when we first opened our tattoo shop people would come by and they peer in the window to make sure that we were all wearing masks like get the fuck out of here
1: you know? <laughs> oh I, I i or or the um, I, I remember like Somebody ripping me, an old woman, and I'm like, I'm like eight feet apart, and she's like, "Well, you should be more." <laughs> I am like well, whatever, and, but you know, my philosophy is, was, was I going to let her being all bent and twisted ruin my day? I'm like, ah. Yeah. she's a she's a friggin' bitch. That you know, it, each his own, man. She would have probably wanted to rip me for something. You know, it's not my my fault. Her her life sucks. You
2: just happened to be the mask in the
1: standing six feet as opposed to eight feet. Ex- exactly, It should be ten feet, I guess, with three masks. Uh, actually, I think
2: you should be on the other side of the world. Actually, that that's probably what she
1: wanted. The, the shield to the the yeah. face shield and the hazmat suit. Maybe it so.
2: Should be- train right now you know
1: <laughs> so what's the best way for my view, my listeners to find you is it through your website danhink.com
2: if you go to my website danhink.com i have everything there including all my latest projects i try to keep it up to date but you can find me i have a, a quote author's page on amazon i have an author's page on goodreads so you know, if you're an artist, you got to get out there. That that's part of that. Like, you got to try every avenue, and maybe something hits. So I, I try and like have a large social presence.
1: Dude, I I gotta say, uh, I'll be hitting up your your website, especially after you said that you you if you buy it from you, you'll you'll sign it. <laughs> I, I I I I'm a collector of books. I, I love art. And, you know, your your book has both. So, brother, hey, and, and thank you for, for giving me the opportunity to hear your story and to have others hear your story. Because, you know what, we're like-minded people. We know it's all about getting the fuck up, dusting yourself off, and you keep on going. And you realize not many people out there realize success is showing up every day, busting your ass, And good things will come if you you put in your time, your dues, and your effort. No, I agree 100%. For sure, brother. Hey, man. Dan, thanks, Emil. I I love you. you, Thank you for the time, man. I
0: never told no one that. Oh, my gosh.
1: I am so proud of you. You accomplished something. You know most people buy books and they don't read the whole book? Not even on Audible. They'll maybe read, they'll dabble a chapter or two, but they won't go to the distance. And you know what? Congratulations. The same thing with podcasts. 2.8 million podcasts. You selected this one. We're like-minded people and you reached the end. You know what? Did you sign up for that webinar? You know which one I'm talking about? Omar Medrano, O-M-A-R-M-E-D-R-A-N-O dot com backslash webinar, backslash. It's just ask for it. It's a whole new way of approaching sales. Been there, done that. Enough of the bullpens. Enough of calling 2-300 calls. Enough of stressing. Enough of being all bent and twisted. Chasing people. Chasing leads. Up at night, wondering where and when am I going to get the next sale? Because you know what? Tomorrow, just like in life, you start out at zero. This, just ask for it. It'll double your referrals, triple your leads, quadruple your sales. And you know what? The best part about this webinar is it's free. Omar, O-M-A-R, Medrano.com, backslash webinar, backslash you know what? If you can't spell my name, just go to omarmadrano.com. You'll find me. We found each other. You were meant for so much more. Thank you. Have an outstanding rest of your week.
0: I never told no one that. My whole life I've been holding back. Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars. I hear a voice like, who think you are negative thoughts come to mind when i start thinking bold like why you chasing dreams aren't you getting kind of old Woo. i knew i needed help i had no self-confidence then believe in myself i try not to feel or listen to my intuition to start a business but before i even started i feel like it's finished you've got a vision and let me say, I don't care if they're your blood, got the same DNA. They can't feel how you feel, they can't see what you see. Wanna change your life, you gotta change the way you think. The thoughts in your mind is the boss of your life. Nothing but good vibes, every day I'm thinking like, What if it, D-Word? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? if it, D-Word? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to a Escape is our own mind I was trapped inside that prison door oh, for a long time To make it happen You gotta take action Just imagine What if it did work?